Good morning. Welcome to Easter 2018, Calvary Baptist Church, Waco, Texas. I can already tell you came with a lot of energy. I'm Philip Sitton. It's my pleasure and honor to, on behalf of the rest of the staff, the ministers, and the membership, welcome all of you that are visiting with us today. If you will look in the pew rack in front of you, there's cards like this. We ask that you would take it, fill it out, put it in the offering plate later, so that we can begin a conversation back and forth between you and the family at Calvary to see how we connect best together. Easter Sunday, we come expecting the pastor to preach her best sermon. No pressure. We come expecting the musicians to do their best singing and playing. But my question is, have we prepared ourselves for our best worship? So I encourage you to take a moment, take a deep breath, pull all the joy that is yours from what this day represents, commit to singing with gusto, praying fervently, listening attentively, and leaving here a better Easter person than you were when you came. God bless you. Now let's worship. Alleluia. 
gospel message that you would die then rise so that we may also live the stone is rolled back the linen is neatly folded and we stare into the darkness you are not there for you are not dead but risen and with you we are resurrection people we have joined you in new life Fear gives way to joy. Darkness gives way to light. Death gives way to life. As we worship this morning, lifting our voices, we give thanks. This morning we celebrate Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. To the glory of the Father. Amen. Death cannot keep his breath. 
shadows of victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ from the Gospel according to John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. A reading from the Epistle to the Colossians. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. This is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving seas 
of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. And on that cross where Jesus died, he bore my guilt and sinful pride for every sin on him was made. children to join me in the front for the children's message. We will stand around the cross this morning. Good morning. Happy Easter to you. It is so good to see all of you this morning. Today we celebrate that Jesus is alive again. He has risen from the dead and the tomb is empty and we celebrate and rejoice in this new life. Many of us brought flowers to decorate our cross this morning, and it looks great. Thank you so much for helping us to decorate it with all different kinds of flowers and colors. These flowers are symbols of new life. In the springtime, flowers bloom, and all things in nature come alive again. And we're celebrating this new life this morning. As we celebrate, I have something to give you. These are little flower signs. They are for you to color and to wave during worship and celebration this morning. Every time you hear the words, Christ is risen, I want you to wave your flower high in the air and you can join in with the rest of the congregation and say, he is risen indeed. That's great. Do you think that you can do that this morning? Let's practice repeating those words. I'll say Christ is risen and you can say Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Amen. And then you'll wave your flower, okay? Let's pray together, and then you can pick out your flower on the front pew here with markers and crayons, okay? Will you join me in prayer? 
Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the new life that you give to us. Thank you for loving us so much. We celebrate you this morning. We celebrate your new life. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in the sun, I believe in the risen one, I believe I overcome, by the power of his blood, amen, amen. authorities. He is betrayed, sentenced, and executed, and it looks like the game is over. Both hope and love are seemingly obliterated, and a stone is rolled in front of the tomb's entrance to seal the point. And yet, hope 
burst forth. Love, life, and hope when? But first, testing hope. I have never been comfortable sharing in a public forum that which is deeply personal, my brokenness, and be warned, everybody today, I cry ugly. <laughs> I don't know how to share this without tears. And this journey began almost 20 years ago. On her first birthday, my granddaughter Cassidy was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Four months later, we lost her in March 1999. This death was horrific. Jim and I felt hopeless and helpless in our loss, but even more traumatic was watching our daughter Carrie struggle. Her soul was weeping, and we didn't know how to comfort her in grief of such magnitude. And in April 2006, Carrie died. Twelve years ago this month, mother to Kenzie and Grace, sister to Adam, daughter to Jim and Linda, and wife to Matt Baker committed suicide, or so her husband and the death certificate claimed. Almost four years after her death, in January 2010, Matt Baker was sentenced to 65 years in prison for Carrie's murder. No time to grieve. Jim and I began our next journey. This one to bring our granddaughters home. Jim, Kenzie, Grace, and I became a family in 2011. And in 2014, only three years together, the one who had walked with me through the journey, who had been my rock and my husband for 32 years, was diagnosed with cancer. And Jim died a few months later. I wasn't sure I could live without him. But just when I thought the game was over, hope burst forth. John 16.33 reminds us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I am here now not to moan about the journey. Instead, I celebrate the hope and I celebrate with you. You, the people of Easter. As Pope John Paul II claimed, do not abandon yourself to despair. We are the Easter people and hallelujah is our song. And you must know you are part of the hope as the Easter people. Never, never minimize the world that each of you plays in the lives of those with whom you walk. My life group, my Sunday school class, those of you who prayed for me, hugged me, 
We don't make this journey on our own, Easter people. We don't make this journey on our own. Tom Purdy, Charles Reed, I will forever see you at the trial walking quietly to the back of the courtroom and praying each day. Oh, and the Love Calvary family, you gave my girls. Kinsey and Grace are extraordinary young women in great part because of your love. My granddaughters had so much taken from them. Jim and I hoped to be vessels of healing, but they saved me. In my deepest time of brokenness, they carried hope and love as only people of Easter can do. And new people of Easter joined me on this journey. Know this, there are new beginnings on this often difficult trek of life. Dave McCarroll, I will marry you in a couple of months, dude. As we look around in church today and beyond its walls, there are abundant realities of sorrow surrounding us. But as Paul urges us to remember in 1 Thessalonians, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. That is what the earliest Easter morning visitors to the garden and tomb discovered, and that hope transformed and sustained them. So today we claim Christ is risen and hallelujah is our song.
We don't always talk back to the preacher during the sermon here at Calvary, but for today's sermon, I am going to ask for some talk back. And throughout my sermon, I will be using the greeting that we have been using this morning, the greeting that Christians all around the world are sharing with one another this Easter Sunday. And so whenever I say the words, Christ is risen, I invite you to boldly respond with, he is risen indeed. And now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be pleasing to you. O risen Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One day, the absolute best person the world had ever seen or encountered lay dead in a tomb. He loved people, all people, in ways that no one else could ever fully understand. He saw people whom others usually ignored and welcomed them in. He healed people who thought there was no cure for their disease. With him, there was always enough food to eat, always another seat at the table, always in abundance. He met anxiety with peace, despair with hope, and fear with great courage. And his radical way of living completely turned the world upside down. For those who had journeyed with him and followed him, his death was the end of their world. They loved him. They were in awe of him, even when they didn't understand him, and even when the life that he called them toward was hard, they were still drawn to him because they knew that God had been made flesh in him in a way that had never happened before, and now it would never happen again because their beloved friend, teacher, mentor, and Lord was dead. And all of their hope had been buried up in the grave right along with him. But just before sunrise, on the third day, after he had been killed on a cross, a woman named Mary Magdalene went to visit his tomb to find that the stone had been rolled away. She immediately ran to the other disciples to tell them the only conclusion she could possibly imagine that his body had been stolen. And so at once, Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved ran as fast as they possibly could to get to the tomb. And they looked inside to see linen cloths lying on the ground. And the kerchief that had been used to cover his head was folded neatly by itself. Peter wasn't quite sure what to think. But the disciple whom Jesus loved took one look at the room, and Scripture says he believed. Meanwhile, Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping until someone she believed to be the gardener said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And she said to him, Sir, if you have taken his body, please just tell me where you've put it, and I will go to him. She believed him to be the gardener. But then this gardener man said her name. 
And just the sound of his voice resurrected her heartbroken soul. And she looked up and cried out, teacher. And in an instant, her world was changed forever. Our world was changed forever. And Mary went out to share the good news with everyone else that Jesus is alive. Friends, this story from the Gospel of John is the reason we are all here today on Easter Sunday. This is the story of our faith that Christ is risen. Now, I will admit that I have always been drawn to Mary's part in the story. And we've got to admit it's pretty ironic that today is April Fool's Day because Mary gets the biggest April Fool's surprise of all when the person she believes to be the gardener turns out to be Jesus. But this week, as I was reflecting on the text, I actually found myself more drawn to Peter and the unnamed disciple and their unique part in the story. They both run to the tomb as fast as they can when they hear that Jesus' body is missing. They both look in the empty tomb and see cloth wrappings lying on the ground. And scripture tells us that the unnamed disciple goes in, sees, and believes. Even though the very next verse tells us he does not yet understand. Peter Gomes, who is a theology professor at Harvard, and minister at Harvard's Memorial Church says, preachers all over the world are bending themselves into pretzels today just to try to make sense of a story that transcends sense. And so what I want to do is the exact opposite and to claim to you that we cannot even begin to make sense of the resurrection. Neither can Simon Peter or this unnamed disciple, for that matter. They do not understand what happened or how it could have possibly happened, and yet we are told that at least one of them believes anyway. Because this is exactly what Easter invites us to do, isn't it? Easter beckons us to believe the impossible, which is why I think this unnamed disciple is one of the very first Easter people in all of Scripture. And here we are, continuing in his trajectory as we seek to live as Easter people almost 2,000 years later. Even though we didn't see it happen, no one else in all of Scripture did either. Even though we don't understand it at all, as Easter people, we are invited to boldly proclaim what the world says is completely impossible, that Christ is risen. In her book, Intensive Care, Mary Lou Wiseman tells the story of her 15-year-old son, Peter, who is dying from the terrible disease of muscular dystrophy. And yet, an astonishing thing happened right at the moment of his death. Peter's body was completely paralyzed in these final stages of his disease, and his mind was confused. He was mainly moaning and talking nonsensically at this point. When suddenly, in a surprisingly clear voice, Peter looked up at his father, Larry, and said to him, What does impudent mean? Bewildered, Mary Lou and Larry looked at each other, not knowing what the strange question meant. 
And Peter repeated himself again and says, Daddy, what does impudent mean? With tears streaming down his face, Larry answered Peter's question. Impudent, son, means bold. It means to be shamelessly bold. Peter paused for a moment, closed his eyes, and said, then put me in an impudent position. And sure enough, just before their son died, Larry and Mary Lou positioned Peter's arms and legs in a posture of bold defiance, an impudent position in the face of death. Friends, Easter does not mean that death is finished hurting us down here. I know I don't have to remind us of that today. We know that pain all too well. Some of us are carrying with us the pain of death from just weeks or months ago and others from years ago. But no matter when it happened, the pain of death on this side of eternity never quite goes away. And so I am mindful that while today is a day of celebration, Easter can bring out so many different emotions in us. Because this week brings us face to face with the painful realities of death. But as Easter people, we can face even death in an impudent position. Perhaps it's only because the pain of death is so unbearable that the joy of Easter is so unimaginable. Because in spite of everything this world can do to us or can take from us, in spite of disease and difficulty and despair and even death, we believe these things do not get the last word. As Easter people, we believe that God's love is greater than any hate, that God's grace is greater than all of our sin, that God's light is greater than any darkness that comes our way because Christ is risen. And as Easter people, we boldly proclaim that neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, because friends, Christ is risen. After Peter and the unnamed disciple have seen the empty tomb, And after scripture tells us that this unnamed disciple believes, what they do next can seem pretty anticlimactic. It says they simply go home. But my friend, Pastor Alan Shouraus, has a different understanding of what is happening here. He says it's fitting that the gospel says simply that when that impossible day was over, Peter and the other disciple left the tomb and returned home. Because home is where Easter is known. It's where we make decisions about how we will live, what our lives will embody, how we will follow him with hope and joy in our hearts, breaking cycles of death and loss and fear and believing in a new creation on its way. And so Peter and the other disciple go home where Easter is lived. Even Mary can't stay with Jesus long as desperately as she wants to. But he says to her, do not hold on to me, because he knows that she too needs to go home to share the good news of all that has happened. 
which is why all of us are here today. That's the thing about being Easter people. It means we can't stay where we are for very long. It means we can't stay comfortable. Because being called to new life means that we are constantly growing, constantly moving, constantly changing, constantly opening ourselves up to new ways of living as Easter people. And we are constantly being called to bear witness to the good news that Christ is risen. What's most interesting to me is that here in one of the most significant stories in all of Scripture, the very first person to believe doesn't have a name. Now, sure, there are various theories about who the beloved disciple was, but his name is never listed in the text. But then again, perhaps we do know the name of this disciple. Perhaps we do know the name of this brave one who dares to step into the darkness of the tomb, to believe the impossible, and to face the world in an impudent position. It's Linda Doolin. It's Grace Baker. It's Doug and Pat Weaver. It's Allie Chapel DeHay. It's Harold Brown. It's Kay Dunlap. It's Jeremy and Katie Cruz. It's Sheila Smith. It's Ron Miller. It's Ainsley Singletary. It's so many more people than I could possibly name today because the truth is that at one point or another, the disciple who steps out of the empty tomb and dares to believe the impossible is you and it's me and it's any and all of us who are brave enough to live as Easter people. It's true that we do not understand exactly what happened in the tomb that day. And to the rest of the world, it may seem completely crazy for us to believe in something so strongly that just doesn't make sense. But what I do understand is this, that I can testify over and over and over again to the resurrection that has happened in my life and in yours. And I can boldly and impudently proclaim that Christ is risen from the dead because of the resurrection that I have seen in you. As Peter Gomes tells us, the evidence of Easter is a reconfigured Easter people. People who are no longer afraid of the dark. People who dare to live by their affections and not by their fears. People who know that they need not die in order to truly experience resurrection living. People who fear neither death nor life. In short, people such as you and me who aspire to be people like that. And so, my friends... May we all be so brave as to walk away from the empty tomb today and to dare to live as Easter people. And whatever life brings us and whatever life takes from us, may we boldly proclaim the words that impudently defy what the world says is impossible, that Christ is risen. And so, risen Christ, we are in awe of you today. The ways that you take our brokenness, the ways that you take our sin, 
the ways that you take our shame, the ways that you take those things that are hidden so deeply within us we didn't think anybody else even knew. And yet you raise us up to new life and you call us out to dare to be Easter people. God, give us courage, give us bravery, and give us great hope as we follow in your way. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today and you have heard the good news over and over again that Jesus defeated death and was raised to new life. And all that we might not only have life, but have it abundantly. Maybe you're ready to become an Easter person too. And there is no better time to do that than today. Or maybe you are wanting to join our faith community here at Calvary, where we seek to know and to follow Jesus in very real ways together, living as Easter people in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary, ready to greet you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. Send his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he lived and died, to buy my pardon, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior name.
Precious Jesus, like Mary Magdalene, we too come seeking. We too so often are unable to see what is right in front of us. We too get caught up in the downsides of life, pain, sorrow, grief, and yes, even death. But then comes Easter. You interject life into our hopelessness, for you are risen indeed. You give us life. You give us redemption, you give us hope, you give us joy. Lord Jesus, lift our eyes, transform our minds, and write on our hearts the things that are from above. Give us intent of mind and strength of character to freely give back to you and your kingdom's work. Take our gifts, Lord, and may they be our acceptable act of obedience and worship to you, our living King. Amen.
As is our tradition on a baptism day, I'm going to invite all the boys and girls to come forward first. So boys and girls, come and join me at the front. And what we, the reason we do this is we give the, all of the children a chance to get a front row spot to stand and watch the baptism and be a part of it. And the, after the children lead us, as, they, as we lead up here in just a moment and sing He is Lord, which we'll all do together, bring your worship folder with you, please. So you have the benediction and the words of affirmation. Then we're all going to follow the children up to the front and just keep walking, keep crowding up onto the platform area, and then we'll all surround the baptism. So let's sing, He is Lord. He is Lord. Come on, Prince. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sing it together again. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's sing as we keep coming one more time. He is Lord. It is my great joy to introduce you to Ainsley Singletary and her father, John. Ainsley is a sixth grader at the Atlas Academy. She is a daughter, a sister, a cheerleader extraordinaire, a faithful friend. Ainsley is fiercely loyal to everyone who knows her, and Ainsley lives every moment of life to the fullest. And Ainsley is here today to share with us that she has chosen to follow God and to walk in the way of Jesus. Ainsley, the most important thing I can say about you today is that you are a beloved child of God. 
And your Calvary family is so excited to baptize you on Easter Sunday. And now Ainsley's brother, Abbott, will be reading her words of testimony for us. These are the words of my sister, Ainsley. I have loved God for a long time. I have watched all of my brothers and many of my friends be baptized. I have been coming to Calvary all of my life, and there are so many people who have shown me who God is and what it means to serve and love God. Miss Emily, Sarah Dye, Miss Pat, Miss Sherry, Mr. Will, Allie and Hank, many of you, and of course, Miss Mary Alice, who, as you all know, is my pastor. <laughs> I have always known God is there for me. Whenever I am worried or afraid or scared or doing something hard in life or cheer, I pray that God will help me be brave and strong. I don't really like to talk about my feelings, but when I listen to music or sing, I feel happy or closer to God. A few months ago, when our family was having a hard time about some stuff, my mom and I were listening to a worship mashup of Oceans and You Make Me Brave by Caleb and Kelsey. It says, And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. As your love in wave after wave crashes over me, crashes over me. For you are for us, you are not against us. Champion of heaven, you made a way for all to enter in. I thought about how even though I had loved God for a long time, I hadn't been brave enough to get baptized. After talking about it with my mom and thinking about it for a while, I decided I am ready. I know that Jesus came to earth to save us and died on the cross for me. I am glad we can celebrate Jesus being risen on Easter. Being baptized today means I get to start a new life as a Christian. I get to officially be part of the family of God for you in this place. I'm excited to keep learning and growing and love God and all of God's people. It's my turn to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. Ainsley Grace, what is your profession of faith? Jesus is Lord. Because you have made this profession of faith that Jesus is Lord and Christ, it is my great joy to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are buried with Christ in our baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. beloved child of God and our sister and the family of faith. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you and may the Spirit fill you and use you as salt and light in our world. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Ainsley, your church family has some words that we would like to share with you. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ Church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Ainsley, your baptism today is a beautiful reminder for all of us that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. 
And so may we all go from this place being brave enough to live as Easter people. Amen.